All right. So if you're an old man like me, you remember the movie Tron. Uh, it's it's a yeah, it's a Disney movie. It came out in 1882. <laughs> the film tells the story of a computer programmer named Flynn, played by Jeff Bridges, who is somehow transported by a laser into the computer world that he helped create. And once inside this computer world, he has to fight bad guys in, in life or death video games in order to return back to the real world. Now, the movie and its sequel, honestly, they weren't very good. Sorry. Uh, mostly they're remembered for their special effects. But I actually like the movie uh, because it's one of those under-the-radar Christmas movies. And I don't mean it's one of those Christmas movies that aren't actually Christmas movies like Die Hard or Gremlins. These are not Christmas movies. These are just, no, I'm taking a stand. Die Hard, not a Christmas movie. It's just a movie that takes place in December. I think that's obvious. Now, Tron, Tron is actually a movie about Christmas in a, in a deeply theological, if albeit accidental way. I mean, think about it. What's the movie about? It's about a computer programmer entering the program he created. And in fact, not only does the programmer enter the computer world, but he, he battles an evil computer program that looks an awful lot like the devil. And, and then he sacrifices himself to save the world. And, and then he ascends to rule over the world. So it's not just a Christmas movie, but it's a Good Friday movie, it's an Easter movie, it's an Ascension movie, but this is a Christmas, so right now Tron is a Christmas movie. And this is the message of Christmas. God entered the world through the birth of Jesus to Mary and Joseph, not through a laser, although that would have been weird. God entered the world to save the world. The programmer became a program. Uh, this is what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. It's about the incarnation. What's the incarnation? The incarnation is what we call it when God entered the world as a man. The incarnation is what uh, the gospel writer John says in his gospel when he says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So when Jesus was born in Bethlehem to Mary and Joseph 2,000 years ago, it wasn't just you know, another peasant birth. The invisible and transcendent God entered our world so that we might see this God in the flesh, John writes. That's why we talk about the incarnation. The word incarnate means in the flesh. Carne is a Latin word for flesh. Uh, pasta, con carne, meat. Carne, asada, flesh, meat. Jesus came in the meat. We Christians worship a God who would do that. We worship a God who would enter our world in the meat. Now, to be sure, God had actually been entering the world, our world, for a long time, even before Jesus arrived on Christmas. In fact, when, when John writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, he's actually referring to the Hebrew scriptures written before Jesus. Uh, the word. The word is God's spoken word referred to in Genesis. Jesus is the expression of God's inner life as our words are expressions of our own thoughts. And the phrase made his dwelling among us. That's actually a reference to God's presence among the Israelites in the wilderness. In the Old Testament, the Israelites spent quite a lot of time wandering around in the wilderness. You know this? But God didn't want them to be alone, so God like, had them build a tent for him to, to live in, a, a, a tabernacle. And the Bible says that God would, would dwell. He would dwell with the Israelites 
in the tabernacle, in the tent. Here's actually what's kind of cool about this. So when John says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, uh, this, is, this phrase was actually written in Greek originally, and the, the, the Greek phrase that John uses for made his dwelling is skenu. It's a Greek word. Turn to your neighbor and say skenu. Special Greek vocabulary Christmas word for you. Skinu. So the, the word skinu should actually literally be translated, he pitched his tent. That's what it means to skinu. It means to pitch your tent. So, so John is literally saying the word became flesh and pitched his tent in our midst. Like God pitched his tent among the Israelites. Jesus came to pitch his tent. Jesus came to skinu with us. Pitches tent in our midst. That's why the message version of the Bible translates this. The word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. And this is what happened in the incarnation. God pitched his tent in our midst. God, God, God built a house in our neighborhood. Now, why? Why would God do that? Why would God become meat? Why would the programmer become a program? Why would, why would God move into our neighborhood? I mean, I, I, I like our neighborhood. I mean, Afton's kind of coming up these days. Got a new food truck park. Been in the food truck park. Uh, we got a new uh, housing development, the Preserve, going up on McKenzie. So Afton, you know, got a lot going on here. I can understand why God would want to move into our neighborhood. I mean, you'd think you'd move into like Webster Groves or Kirkwood, but, you know, Afton, sure. Why would God move into our neighborhood? Why would the programmer become a programmer? That's the question that Christmas invites us to ask. And it's a good question. In fact, uh, plenty of people actually find the idea of the incarnation offensive. Uh, over the history of the Christian church, there have been entire denominations that have actually rejected the idea of God becoming human. A pure and holy God would never enter our dirty and disgusting world, they say. Uh, there was an early Christian heresy, for example, uh, called docetism. Everybody say docetism. You're learning all sorts of sophisticated Christmas terminology here. Docetism, it actually taught that Jesus only seemed to be human. Jesus only seemed to be born. Jesus only seemed to die. Jesus only was pretending, kind of, to be human because Docetus thought God would never become human. Why would God become human? And of course, Jews were actually kind of uncomfortable with the idea of the transcendent God becoming flesh. And you know, Muslims are deeply offended by the idea that God would ever stoop so low. Flesh is dirty and rotten. And, and I actually kind of get it. I mean, I mean, who wants to think about the creator of the universe coming into the world and sweating and eating and peeing and pooping and bleeding and dying and throwing up? Who wants to think of Jesus like sitting at the table, like having dinner and like gagging and maybe throwing up? Ooh. I mean, not even I like being in the flesh. I don't like being in the flesh. Do you like being in the flesh? It's uncomfortable. Your flesh hurts and, and, and bleeds. Your flesh gets flabby. I, I feel like uh, Agent Smith in The Matrix. You know The Matrix? Another random Christmas movie reference. Uh, the Matrix is another movie about humans entering 
a computer world. So Agent Smith was a computer program who had been incarnated in the human world, or at least the world they thought was the human world. And, and, and Agent Smith hated it. He hated it for all the same reasons we do. In fact, Agent Smith, there's this great scene when Agent Smith tells Morpheus, he, he says this, I'm gonna use my Agent Smith voice. He says, I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. It's the smell. I feel saturated by it. I can taste your stink. And every time I do, I fear that I've somehow been infected by it. I actually kind of know what Agent Smith is talking about. Being in the flesh stinks like literally. This is the question then. And it's a good one. Why would a holy God enter such a filthy world? Why would a holy God become meat? I mean, he had to know he's just going to get chewed up. <clears throat> well, there's a big important answer to that question of why God would become meat. He would do that. He would move into our neighborhood because he loves us that much. God would enter our stinky, filthy neighborhood because he, he likes us. God loves us. God likes you. God, God wants to move next to you. God wants to move in with you. God wants to skanoo with you. God wants to skanoodle. <laughs> That's the big important answer. God would move into our neighborhood because he likes you and he wants to actually get to know you. But there are some more specific theological answers to that question that I want to share with you this Christmas. God would arrive in the flesh. The programmer would become a program for, you guessed it, three reasons. To demonstrate, to disclose, and to deliver. God would enter our world to demonstrate, to disclose, and to, to deliver. First, God came in the flesh to demonstrate how life was meant to be lived. So after God came to earth as a crying baby, he did not remain a crying baby. He grew up. He became a man. Not just any old man. Man full of life, hope, love, and grace. Jesus was happy, peaceful, self-controlled, beloved. He was all this despite being persecuted, homeless, and unemployed. Despite living in rather miserable conditions, Jesus was the happiest person on the planet. And he came to earth to demonstrate how we could live like that. He says in John 8, 12, whoever follows me will have the light of life. So whoever walks as I do will live the way life was meant to be lived. It took a human being to do this. You see, God had given the Israelites the law as a set of instructions on how to live. But what the Israelites, what we really need is an example of humanity, someone to model how to do it. It's the difference between like reading the instructions and like watching someone know what they're doing. Uh, years ago, for example, I was teaching my, my son Mitchell how to ride a bike. Uh, he wasn't getting at, getting it, uh, uh, partly because if you can believe this, I was being a little bit overbearing. I was yelling at him, like, keep his balance, and I you know, insisted, keep pedaling, and I was explaining the gyroscopic force of the wheel, you know, which you got to understand in order to ride a bike, apparently. <laughs> so I kind of forgot how complicated and scary it can be for a six-year-old to ride a bike. 
So as much as I tried, he just could not get it. We tried for weeks. And then one, one day I, I came home from work. I was driving home from work, and I pulled onto my street, and there Mitchell was, riding his bike on the street. Look, Dad, look what I did. And I asked him, how did you learn to ride your bike? His cousin, Mitchell's cousin, his six-year-old cousin Gray was in town, and he said, oh, Gray showed me. I'm like, don't you need your father for these things? But that's what my son needed. I, I, was, I was the Old Testament God, scary and intimidating, explaining gyroscopic forces. Gray came as Jesus, showing him how. Mitchell could relate to Gray more than he could ever relate to me. God knows we can relate to Jesus more than we could ever relate to a transcendent, invisible creator. I mean, you try to relate to a transcendent, invisible creator. In Christ coming to earth, the instructions became the example. I mean, it's one thing for God to tell us, hey, forgive your neighbor. Forgive your enemies. It's another thing for Jesus to, like, pray for the Romans as they're nailing him to the cross as an example for us of how to forgive. It's, it's one thing for God to tell us, hey, trust me, I'm going to take care of you. It's another for Jesus to like walk around from town to town with no idea where he's going to sleep or eat, but just trusting that God's going to care for him. It's one thing for God to tell us, hey, resist the devil. It's another thing for Jesus to like go out into the wilderness and show us how to do it, battling Satan. Jesus shows us how to ride the bike. We just got to get on and start pedaling. So God came in the flesh to demonstrate how life was meant to be lived. Also, though, God came in the flesh to disclose the Father so we could get to know him. Jesus shows us who God is, the transcendent creator of all that we cannot possibly imagine or even picture. Jesus shows us who he is. Paul writes in Colossians that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And John writes, God the one and only who is at the Father's side, so God who is at the Father's side, Jesus, has made the Father known. Jesus came to show us God, and he bears the image and the likeness of God so that we learn who he is. It's actually kind of like Tron. Back to Tron. In the movie, Tron and the other programs are the exact representation of their users, their makers. Each computer program in the world actually has a program in the world, and they have the same personality and the same appearance. They're actually played by the same actor. Uh, the computer programs just happen to glow and have, like, deadly frisbees on their back. But to know the program is to know the programmer. And this is why the lead programmer actually became a program so that the other programs could get to know the programmer and so he could get to know them. My favorite author, Philip Yancey, actually told a story to illustrate this that I've never forgotten. I'm sure I've shared it with you at least a couple times. But Yancey had once just bought a new fish tank. And he had filled it with all sorts of exotic, beautiful fish. Whenever he came to look at the fish, though, whenever he just walked up to the fish tank, the, all the fish just like swam away. Like this big scary person outside of the fish tank just like came up and obviously the fish are going to like swim away. They're going to swim behind the little sunken toy ships or in their holes or behind the rocks. 
The fish couldn't know him. He couldn't know them. He was just a big, scary shadow outside the world, like, leaning into it. Yancey realized that if he wanted to ever really get to know the fish, what would have to happen? He'd have to be a fish. Uh, he can't do that. can't become a fish. God can. Uh, it's kind of like when I was a baseball coach for my son Max's team years ago. I coached his team for many years. And when the new team that we started first started, uh, the kids, they, were, they didn't know me. They were really intimidated. All the coaches were kind of intimidating. I mean, we're adults. Adults are intimidating. Uh, so the kids were nervous, and nobody was having a lot of fun. I really wanted to connect with these kids, though. I wanted to get to know them. I wanted them to get to know me. So what did I do? Became a kid. Played the game. Ran the bases. Threw the ball. Goofed around. Said stupid things. That's what kids do. Adults, too. After a while of just playing ball as a kid, walls came down. Jesus wants to know you more than I ever really wanted to know those kids, and I want to know them a lot. So he became a ball player. He became a program. He became, became a fish. We're swimming around in metaphors. Pick your favorite one. He became like us. We just have to get to know him. We have to read about his life. We have to talk to him like friends do. I mean, if you ever really want to get to know God, if you've ever lied awake at night, like, God, I wish I knew you, get to know his son. That's the purpose that he came. He came to disclose to you who the creator of the universe is. You just got to get to know him. Got to read about his life. Got to think about him. Got to study him. Got to learn about him from other people. God came in the flesh to demonstrate life, to disclose who he is. And lastly, God came in the flesh to deliver us from sin and death. You see, we're not just fish. We're fish caught in a net. We're fish that are in trouble. We're dying fish. We need to be rescued. We need someone like us, though. In order to be rescued, we need someone like us. We need someone who can trust and empathize with us. We need a fellow fish. Uh, my favorite TV program is The West Wing. Any West Wing fans here? Is this political drama? Yeah, sure, West Wing fans. Unite. Um, it's a political drama from the aughts. But in the very last season of The West Wing, there's this big presidential contest between Arnold Vinnick, uh, played by Alan Alda, and uh, Matthew Santos, played, played by Jimmy Smits. And during the campaign, both Vinnick and Santos bend over backwards trying to portray themselves as men of the people. They highlight their working class origins. They talk like normal people. They go to normal people restaurants. They know that when it comes to having leaders, we want someone who understands us. As a human being, Jesus understands us. He's a man of the people. He can represent us. But here's the thing. Jesus' leadership goes deeper than that. The reason he came to earth in the flesh, in the meat, is because he knew that only a human being can deliver us from sin and death. You see, our enemies are, are not political. Our enemies aren't even personal. Our enemies are spiritual. Our enemies are sin and guilt and death. We are all afflicted by sin and guilt and death. We don't need a human political leader. We need a human spiritual leader. The book of Hebrews puts it this way. 
since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. So since we have flesh and blood, Hebrews says, God had to come in the flesh and blood. He had to be made like his brothers in every way so that he could make atonement for the sins of the people. You see, we're all sinners. We all stand guilty before God. And in order to be forgiven by God, a punishment needed to be handed down. It should have gone to us. I mean, we're the sinners. We're the ones who deserve to die forever. should have gone to us. But God in his mercy loves us too much to let that happen. So he offered the willing sacrifice of his own son on the cross. But it had to be a human being. Jesus couldn't come as a chipmunk. Sin is not a chipmunk problem. Jesus couldn't come as a llama. Sin is not a llama problem. Jesus came as a human being. Sin is a human problem. This is why Jesus came on earth. On Christmas, 2,000 years ago, this is why he entered the fish tank. As the angel tells Joseph and Mary, this was the point. You will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save the people from their sins. The word Jesus means Savior. The Savior came as a person. Because it's people that need to be saved. This includes you. You need to be saved. You're a sinner who's going to die. Merry Christmas. You're a sinner who's going to die. And you need to be saved. I know Christmas is nice and all. I know we sing pretty songs and give each other cool gifts. I know it summons up all sorts of wonderful memories and feelings. I know it's beautiful to see family. I know the movies and the TV shows are fun to watch. I wish you all the, the Christmas cheer in the world. I really do. But the programmer didn't enter the program so that we could have a fun month. God came in the flesh. God entered the fish tank. God moved into the neighborhood God canoodled with us so that we could live forever, so that we could be delivered from sin and death. Maybe you never knew that. Maybe you thought it was just about trees and songs and gifts. Maybe you never knew that. That's what Christmas is about. Or maybe you never really took it to heart. We'd be happy to tell you more, though. I don't know what your Christmas Eve plans are after this, but none of them are as important as praying with a pastor to have your sins removed by the sacrifice of Jesus. I'll give up my Christmas Eve plans if you want to talk more about that. I really will. I'm just Olive Garden with my family. <laughs> I'd rather get you saved. I mean, breadsticks, they're always there. I'd rather get you saved by the God who entered the world, who moved into the neighborhood so that you could live forever. Not so you could eat some figgy pudding. This is why Jesus entered the world 2,000 years ago. This is why Jesus entered the program. 